After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. So if you're like me, uh, you've got an instinctive aversion to uh, contemplating this moment uh, when they put Jesus' dead body in the tomb. Uh, It's something that we usually pass over as we uh, think about the events of Good Friday because it's disturbing to us. I remember seeing my uh, grandfather's dead body at the viewing uh, before his funeral, and that was deeply disturbing. It It was difficult to look for very long. I don't know if you've seen a dead body or found that to be the case. Uh, Karl Barth said, Someday we shall be buried. Someday a company of men will process out to a churchyard and lower a coffin, and everyone will go home, but one will not come back, and that will be me. The seal of death will be that they will bury me as a thing that is superfluous and disturbing in the land of the living. So the dead person's body is now a thing to be removed from sight and from memory. The Bible says uh, that the dead go down into the bottomless pit where they are forgotten. The body goes into the grave to rot. Jesus was buried with a lot of spices, in part just because of the rotting stench of death. There should be no such thing as tombs. There should be no such thing as graves, as holes in the ground that swallow up rotting corpses. There should be no such thing as rotting corpses. But because of sin, uh, we die, and we return to the ground from which we were taken, because we are dust, and to dust we shall return. The grave is the place where all human potential literally uh, comes to a dead end, where life is undone, where we truly hit rock bottom and fall apart. It's a lonely, forgotten place. There's no fellowship in the grave. There's no love in the grave. Or is there? Psalm 88 wonders this. The psalmist asks, Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave? Or your faithfulness in the bottomless pit? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? So the gospel names Jesus Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the wonder of the gospel is that he is with us, even in the grave. Even in the grave. Psalm 139, where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. That might be easy for us to believe. But then the psalmist continues, if I make my bed in Sheol, in the place of the dead, you're there. Sheol is the emptiest place. It's the loneliest place. It's the bleakest place. And look, there's his body right there in the tomb. The God-man became a thing. 
The God-man became superfluous and disturbing in the land of the living, removed into a hole in the ground to be forgotten. Jesus knows the void. He's intimately familiar with the all-consuming nothingness of the grave. He has gone there to be with us, to meet us in the place where life is undone, where people fall apart. Jesus was buried. Paul says that this is a gospel truth of the highest priority, that he was buried. He says that in 1 Corinthians 15. You can believe it. Jesus was buried. Good news. Jesus was buried. Paul also says that we who have been united to Jesus through baptism have been buried along with him. You can believe it. Jesus went to that tomb to meet us there. He joined himself to us to turn even the bottomless pit of death into a rendezvous. rendezvous. In the Bible's great love song, uh, the Song of Songs, the bridegroom says, Until the day breathes and the shadows flee, I will go away to the mountain of myrrh and the hill of frankincense. And his bride sings, My beloved has gone down to his garden to the beds of spices to pasture his flock. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. So Jesus, the bridegroom from heaven, lay in his bed of spices until the dawn of resurrection when the shadow of death was chased away. So so he's made the tomb a meeting place so that the bride cannot escape the bridegroom's presence even there, even in the tomb. Like the hero who grabs his mortal enemy in an embrace and then dives off the cliff to rid the world of evil, Even at the cost of his own life, Jesus locked death itself into a death grip, and he took it to the grave. He obliterated the emptiness and the loneliness and the bleakness of forgottenness and God-forsakenness there in his tomb, by the light of his presence there in the tomb, and his solidarity with us, even in death. So now we know that the devotion of the beloved Son of God for his people extends even to the depths of the bottomless pit. His steadfast love is declared in the grave. His wonders are known in the darkness. Jesus went down into a hole in the ground and made it a place for new life. He turned the grave into a garden. With Jesus, what was a dead end is now a new beginning. The place of the dead is not beyond his reach, not outside of his domain. His pursuit of us led him even there, and he went there willingly And he will bring you through that same dead end to himself, to new life with God that lasts forever. And we don't even have to wait until the end of our earthly lives when we're literally in a grave to meet him. Any old bottomless pit will do just fine as a place to meet with Jesus. We might wish that we had a Savior who spared us from places like the tomb, but instead, we have a Savior who's willing to meet us there and to change such places by his being God with us, even there. All places of despair, all places of undoing are laid bare before him. He's intimately acquainted with rock bottom, whatever your particular version of that might be. The whole world is a tomb world, a place waiting to come to new life in the new heavens and the new earth, which means there are many tombs, many graves, many other sad, bleak places that can be transformed into gardens, into seedbeds for new life, places to meet the Lord himself. Jesus, Jesus knows all these places, and he'll meet you there as a bridegroom meets his bride and carries her across 
the threshold into their new life together. You can believe that because he's the Lord of the tomb. Amen.